The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? We apologize for the audio issues, but good morning. It is Monday, July 31st, and today... Jason, 
Not on the Discord. Today is World Ranger Day, along with National Avocado Day and National Mutt Day and National Raspberry Cake Day. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the Internet. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter Spaces, but we're not doing Twitter Spaces today. So, nonetheless, we're going to kick it off with the dope dad himself that's right it's rico lamit oh yeah the quasimodo caretaker and the professional flip-flopper what's that matthew oh yeah rico can you hear me i can hear you all right amazing amazing well then we it's all you baby it is rico lamit fresh off a red eye love that hat (laughs) Straight up, Rico, check this out. Back when, like, the late 80s. I think Rico's on. I think he's on. Is he? Yeah, we're doing his story. Fresh off the red eye. It's all good, Manny. (laughs) (laughs) So um, after months of fighting off the tabloids and uh, turning down big money interview scoops, Big 8 Cannabis MSO power couple Cresco Labs and Columbia Care emerged this morning on their own terms, on their own timeline, to announce their conscious uncoupling. Indeed, it's a mutual termination of the $2 billion merger announced last March as a bet on a major domestic boom going down this year in cannabis, uh, with executives from both entities saying that their powers combined had the potential to be a brand as big as Coca-Cola or Johnny Walker, or even maybe big enough to fight off the multi-billion dollar vultures circling the industry as we know it right now, from big pharma, alcohol, tobacco, and tech. A very melancholy Cresco CEO, Charles Batchel, came out this morning to say, or Bactel, came out this morning to say, in light of the evolving landscape in the cannabis industry, we believe the decision to terminate the planned transaction is in the long-term interest of Cresco Labs and our shareholders. Yes, they're words that nobody ever wants to have to say after such energy and resources have been put into public courtship. But infidelity at least wasn't at play here. No confirmed incidences of um, cure leaf or true leaf sliding into DMs. Instead, it may have been the undisputed champion of divorce causes, the tried and true breaker of American holy unions, as we see it, finances. Reuters revealed that it was a regional banking crisis earlier this year that dried up a crucial source of funding for the merger as cannabis remains illegal at the federal level in the U.S., while legislation to ease lending norms for legitimate cannabis-related businesses remains stuck. Speculation began as Cresco and Columbia last month said that they would not be able to compete uh, or complete the divestures necessary to secure regulatory approvals to close the, uh, the overall transaction. And uh, though, a mutual, uh, though a mutual nature of the breakup remains uh, there, it means that uh, no major penalties or fees related to the termination shall be assessed. It's always the kids that get the ass end of the deal when parents choose to separate. In this case, the lone child spawned by the two out of love, albeit out of wedlock, was in, da- was in fact a daddy. Sean P. Diddy Combs became collateral damage from the Cresco and Columbia carrier uh, big break as the companies were required to terminate the deal with the hip-hop mogul as it was dependent on acquiring divested operations in New York, Massachusetts, and Illinois for up to that $185 million mark. So Columbia Care and Cresco are becoming, um, uh, becoming the industry's first true superpower, and Puff Daddy is no longer 
um, at least for now, expanding his dominant bad boy business empire into cannabis. They say safe banking not passing is all at fault. Damn. Rico, let me meet Dope's dad on the street here for High Nine News. Want to hear what you guys have to say about this one. <laughs> all right. Simmer down on the safe banking not passing. It hasn't been put up for a vote yet, people. Yet. <laughs> the yet. federal government is just ruin, ruining rich people's lives right now. It's just fucking everybody up. Crazy, man. It's crazy. Joe Biden's America. <laughs> or is it Jill Biden's I America? I the analogy with the divorce parody. That was beautiful. Nicely laid. I landed very well. Thank you, Rico. Um, I mean, you guys, Columbia Care has been a train wreck for a hot minute now. I mean, we're slowly hearing all of these little elements of their business just shutting down slowly. So... Um, and Cresco, from what I understand, is still the leader. So smart decision, I guess, on their part. On an unrelated note, did uh, did Trump have to sell all the paneling and furnishings at Mar-a-Lago to pay for his bail, Jason? Where the hell no. are you? No, no, and no. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Mar-a-Lago is alive and well. For now. It'll be fine. It'll be just fine. No, man, um, I think, uh, what do you guys think, I think is going to be a sign of things to come uh, overall? Like a lot of it is going to be hurting, you know, um, a lot of the, um, I guess, like argument for safe banking as we, between us last year was like, oh yeah, the big, the big guys aren't really going to benefit from this. They're not going to benefit at all. It's going to be helping the little guy, but it seems like it's hurting the big guys. Um, Definitely hurting the big guys. I mean, they have the most to lose, right? Anytime you have the most invested in your business, you have the most to lose equally. So, and like I said, you know, half a dozen times before, when you raise hundreds of millions of dollars in an industry that you have no idea what is to come, the rules are still being written as we're spending money. It's, it's, it's insane to think that you were just going to strike it even more rich in an environment like this when you don't know what's coming. But money grows on trees. I don't think. I don't think it's hurting the big boys in the traditional sense. It's hurting the little guys. It's hurting the big boys in the confidence in this industry growing and moving forward towards legalization. I think that's the damage that's happening from SAFE. Not that they're actually going to benefit. I think it's more investor confidence uh, that we are headed the right direction. That's what's slowing down. I, I would agree with that, Gretchen, because we, def- we, we definitely need safe banking in order to get some more. Truthfully, the bigger investors are the ones that dumped the big dollars into these sorts of companies. And so when you take those out of the equation, little ones do start suffering even more. I mean, the little ones are always going to hurt no matter what. They're smaller. They don't have as much funding. They don't have as much resource. A um, $100 million or what was it $2 billion deal, I think, was that what it was? Yeah, that. That just kills a small business. It kills all the ones around them, too. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I know people were, it's obviously tongue in cheek with my delivery today, but a lot of people were looking forward to, uh, you know, Puff Daddy uh, building, you know, the, the first big black owned MSO. Right. He's the uh, only winner. He's he he ends up getting his money back out of this deal, right? He's the winner in this because when yeah. this all first came out a couple of months ago, all of us were like, "Oh, he just got screwed." 
Right. Congratulations. So, That's a win in his in his department. <laughs> so is so, so is Cresco and Columbia Care. Him a couple months ago, don't you guys remember that? So They're like all this guy just got suckered. So does Cresco yep. and Columbia Care have the strongest pullout game in cannabis? Ooh, ooh. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> no, no, Daddy was still born, bro. <laughs> no, that was Diddy, bro, not Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I mean, certain people were looking forward to Pop uh, Daddy actually coming, a quote-unquote black MSO there, and um, he was going to be creating a lot of jobs, even if, um, say, uh, not say, uh, even if um, social equity ended up failing as we see it, um, uh, creating a lot of that um, uh, the, the diversity and inclusion, um, all of those uh, quote unquote, what Jason Beck would call woke policies and, and embedding those in from the beginning at a, at a MSO. So uh, I think a lot of people see that as a loss for uh, for their communities too. He actually, um, did, a lot of people did wanna see Puff Daddy win. I mean, I really did. I'm a huge fan, right? A huge fan, but at the end of the day, this deal, when you're doing deals with MSOs, no matter who you are, you just got to be really careful. There's a history of big promises and under-delivering. Facts. And also, Rico, I would just like to say that back in 1989, I had that same hat. I got it from Wendy's from buying Frosties. <laughs> <laughs> For buying Frosties from Foster Freeze. <laughs> I mean, did anyone really not, did, did anyone not see this coming a mile away? Right. Are you moving on? Um, I thought they would have at least secured the bag from Puff Daddy before, <laughs> before their deal, before their deal withered. Um, I, I want to know who put that ter- the, those terms together that if the deal didn't fall or didn't come through that he, he was, you know, not on the hook anymore. That was a good looking out. Whoever. Nice head. Yeah, strong, strong hedge. And we're gonna go to we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. On the can't same boat. Yeah. You can hear Chris. I can't hear. I can't but the hear. rest of us can. I hear everybody except Jason and the stream commercials. Well, so ah, yeah, same here. Look at you. Look you. We can all hear Jason. We're going to have to go with hand signals. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, do it. What um, what would represent Jason? Is it going to be like a, a tiny little guy? Like yeah, right. I think we're talking. You're so silly. <laughs> I think we're on you guys. You're so silly. Big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Those that you can hear them. Uh, <laughs> luckily, y'all are, don't have to hear this next. <laughs> we have the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer and the internationally known smoker of the best weed in the world, Jason Beck. 
Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Good morning, everyone that can hear me. And everyone that can't hear me, you guys can have a good morning, too, even if you don't hear it. But today, there's a lot of of shit going on in the world, and there was a lot of high hopes in Uruguay, but medical cannabis plant in Uruguay closes as an industry falters. Oh, yeah. Latin America's biggest cannabis production facility, Boreal, Uruguay, has closed its doors. The company which integrated its plant amid great expectations in the mid-2020s is now facing a labor conflict with its former employees who will bring the company to court. The closure comes at a time when the medical marijuana industry in Uruguay appears to have stalled, according to Uruguay's Rural and Agricultural Workers Union. The staff was fired via WhatsApp app. The notice was a message with a picture of a counterfeit of a Social Security unenrollment. Owned by Canadian company and located in Colonial Garibaldi, over 500 kilometers from Montevideo. The company started operating in September of 2020 during the peak of the pandemic with 5,000 built square feet, a production capacity of up to 20 tons per week and crops on 50 head of acres. The firm was not only the largest in the region, but also seemed to have the potential to compete globally something that was cut short in the middle of the tough times the industry is facing. In a quote, we measure the work by our harvest, which is the, let's say, productive part of all this, and it was being carried out with less and less people each time. While the first harvest year, there were 300 people. By the second harvest, it was a lot less, I'd say, over 100. Nicholas Gigiaza, who worked as a maintenance technician, told the local newspaper El Pueblo, Union members are demanding compensation for the layoffs and a legal case is working its way through Congress. But the Boreal Uruguay closure is symptomatic of a troubled market in Uruguay, a country at the forefront of uh, at the forefront of cannabis legalization. Last May, medical cannabis officials from the Cannabis Regulatory Control Institute (IRCCA) and the Public Health Ministry (MSP) appeared before Congress Special Commission and on addictions and said that the local market is going through a difficult time. The use of medical cannabis is an aspect of marijuana legalization that was sidelined 10 years ago at the time of the debate around Law 19. 172, which would have ended up authorizing and regulating adult and, and adult use cannabis. It wasn't until 2019 with law 19847 that the medical use of cannabis was enabled in February this year. Decree 56-023 allowed access to compounding uh, preparations and Carlos Lavaca, coordinator of the MSP's National Program for Medical and Therapeutic Cannabis Access said that beyond the bureaucratic issues, investors have to deal with several problems. Some of the companies operating and developing pharmaceuticals are not working at full capacity, Lavuka said. And he added that many of the 19 authorized companies in the country have asked for their IRCCA licenses to be terminated because they are not working since their businesses haven't been able to make progress for different reasons, either because they haven't had successful crops and didn't achieve the necessary quality or because they haven't been able to develop extraction 
and pharmaceutical production processes. According to the Lavoca companies that set up shop in the country did, uh, with a much greater capacity than the market can absorb. And although they can expand to foreign markets, this has not happened since basically none of the companies currently producing for Uruguay are doing business abroad. And this article just goes on and on and on, but I'm going to spare you the gory details unless you can go and read it on our website, www.hyatt9news.com. And this is Jason Beck, and the biggest plan in Uruguay is closing down. What do you guys think about this? You guys. Yeah, this is, uh, uh, was not really expecting that. No. Uruguay, man. There was so much hype around there. I mean, Vice TV was just coming out, and they were capturing a lot of the market, and they had a big interview with the president of Uruguay, and he was promising all sorts of things, and Uruguay was going to be the global leader of cannabis, and it doesn't. It looks like it's just faltering. Everybody thinks cannabis is a get-rich-quick scheme, but it's not, and a get-rich-quick scheme is exactly what's ruining our world. So I think people need to reapproach and realize that there's actually a message in cannabis about community and wholeness, respect for ecology, and not about buying Louis Vuitton purses. I'm sorry, but did anyone really expect that Uruguay was going to be the epicenter of cannabis? Not for, not a chance, Gretchen. You're 100% right about that. I mean, Colombia has a much better chance than Uruguay, but just saying. You think this will this? Do you think this will expand to other uh, Central American uh, nations like Colombia? I mean, the thing about it is this, bro: is you have all of these different markets that aren't that aren't opening up to to, to imports and are all going to be producing it themselves in their own local jurisdictions. And so, how how are you going to really have a real export market if there's nowhere to really to export to? Or are they going to continue to export? It just will. Are they going to do export to Mars, Rico? <laughs> Got the trade routes, man. You got the trade routes, and we have the aliens. They're all everywhere, right? <laughs> the aliens are everywhere, according to the aliens human. are real, and they need our weed. <laughs> well, I think if it makes right. economic sense, I do believe that things could open up to trade to Canada. Um, I think if you're going to be in South America, most of those folks are looking at the long game in exporting to Europe. Um, do you have the greatest markets now to export to? No, but I say give it a year or two. I mean, I they, you will have markets to go to. You think so for real, Gretchen, in a year or two? Where are they going to go? Colombia is already exporting to Germany and yep. to places across the seas. I mean, sh yes, I think there will be places to go. Where the hell else? They ain't growing it in Europe. Well, there's, there, yeah. there's just. There's just a lot of competition in the export market, and I just feel like a lot of the contracts with, com with, with countries that will allow for export have already been done with other countries. Like That's why I said like Colombia. I think that there is room for this whole industry to grow if they can figure out their horseshit. That sounds like a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> I think, well, and I think there will come a time when they don't need to export. I think that the South American market is going to open up. I think, you know, be self there will be, yeah, sure. What the hell? I mean, I don't think this stuff's going to be getting shipped everywhere forever. So Mexico is just going to be supplying all of South America. Is that what you're saying, Gretchen? No, I'm saying Uruguay is going to start supporting their own market and they're going to support Brazil and major markets around them. Mm, I'm not buying that one. All right. Well, Jason Beck, we know you're so bright because you thought cannabis was going to be the epicenter in Uruguay. So let's continue going. I never, I process. never said that. I never said that. 
Well, you were shocked and amazed that Uruguay has fallen. I mean, come on, seriously? I, no, I was not. I said, I said, did anyone not see this coming? Mm. That was cute, though. That was cute. That was the article that was saying that. That was real cute, no, that's Gretchen. A, I think that's a... <laughs> that's a real good thought. spin right there. You might as well just be a ballerina. Oh, dear Lord. Let me <laughs> stab you. I wish I was there with a knife. I could just stab you right through your chest right now. Oh, Jesus oh man. Christ. That's pretty violent right there. Ouch. I think mom and dad are finally getting a divorce, you guys. I'm sad. Yeah. I want a little uh, mom. boy oh boy oh boy oh man family feuds yeah yeah let's let's roll into the next story rico <laughs> oh yeah coming up next she's the feisty redheaded conservative that loves to tell pot loving libs all about themselves on top of baking wonderful cakes and desserts on the weekend and dressing her dogs up in inappropriate outfits that's right is the founder of panoptic strategies gretchen gailey <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the applause. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from Marijuana Moment. And uh, even though we are in currently in recess in Washington and there ain't jack going on here, uh, Schumer continues to spout his usual bullshit. Uh, that's not the headline, but it should be. Schumer touts good progress on marijuana banking bill, saying it has always been a priority for me. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says lawmakers are making good progress in bipartisan negotiations on a marijuana banking bill, and advancing it will be a priority for what he's expecting to be a very, very productive fall in the Senate. At a press conference focused on the passage of the NDA on Thursday, Schumer previewed his plans for the fall after lawmakers came back, come back from August recess, proactively mentioning the Safe Banking Act twice in a list of issues that top lawmakers are working on. He said, we're making good progress on safe banking, which, you know, has always been a priority for me. So there's a lot to do when we get back. The majority leader previously said he wanted to address cannabis banking reform during the summer session. But that's now come to a close without action as senators continue to debate one section of the bill that some Democrats want to amend or remove. But Republicans are determined to keep. We have a whole bunch we're working on it, but being working very diligently during this time, including $35 insulin, where we're making great bipartisan progress, including the rail bill, where we're making progress, including safe banking, where we're making progress, including the FAA, where we're making progress, blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. We're close on a few of them, he said. You don't have a you don't always have a final handshake on a few of them. We have agreement on the concept. Earlier this week, a lobbyist who spoke briefly with Schumer said that the majority leader told him that we're working on it with respect to the Safe Banking Act. In order to make further progress on the bill when they return in September, key senators will need to reach an agreement on the sticky Section 10 disagreement. Democrats like Senator Jack Reed have pushed for revising or eliminating the section, arguing that it would broadly undermine banking regulations, but Republicans view that as a non-starter. Senate Banking Committee Chairman Sherrod Brown and Lead Safe Banking Act co-sponsor Senator Steve Daines have sparred over the next steps in recent weeks. Brown has insisted that Daines needs to secure more GOP co-sponsors, but Daines argues that Republicans are prepared to move the legislation as previously agreed to the floor. Daines also previously cautioned against attempting to expand the measure with social justice reforms that progressives would like to add though his office has told Marijuana Moment that the senator is open to adding expungement language as proposed by Schumer. 
Meanwhile, the American Trade Association for Cannabis and Hemp, along with trade groups representing marijuana businesses in 16 states plus Washington, D.C., sent a letter to Brown and Banking Committee making mem- ranking member Tim Scott last week imploring them to pass cannabis banking bill without further delay. Uh, I think Chuck Schumer should join the Jason Beck and Rico Lamit Club of Flip Flopper Central. I mean, this is just some horseshit that safe banking has been a high priority for him forever. Uh, this man's an idiot. He's screwing this up. If he brought it to a vote last week, week before, would have passed, but he does not give a fuck. Uh, the votes are there. I don't know what they're waiting for. They suck. Hopefully they'll grow a pair in the fall. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. So you think they're going to grow a pair just over the summer recess, huh, Gretchen? Well, the hope is during August recess, we, and I mean me and others, will obtain another co-sponsor to make sure that this sucker is filibuster-proof, which has been requested by the damn Democrats. Oh, you Republicans, you're going to watch us bring it to the floor, and then you're going to filibuster and fuck us over. Fine, Jagoffs. We'll get you all the Republicans on the record that you want that they will vote for this as long as you stop fucking around with it. You agreed to Section 10 months ago, and now somebody actually read the bill and was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I don't like this. Well, suck a nut. You agreed Jake. to it. Let's do <laughs> this. Did you, did, you not, did you not grow your first pair um, during recess? I, 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 grow, I, grew a lot, I grew my first pair. It was before I even ever had a recess, Rico. I mean, it's just insanity. It drives me nuts. And at this point, it has nothing to do with social equity. It's just they're being bipartisan dicks, not trying to get anything done. Don't worry. They'll, they'll, they'll make it about bipart- They'll make it about uh, social yeah, equity eventually. Absolutely. Just give them some time, Gretchen. Fuckers. Mm-hmm. Gretchen is She's spicy. on fire today. I'm annoyed. Spice on that. Balls here, and I'm annoyed. It's hot as balls in D.C. It's all sweaty in the swamp. That's why yeah. you know you know that's why they go on recess in in uh, in August because Washington D.C. isn't meant to be inhabited during August. That is one uh, theory. Well, it's the truth. How would yeah. you know? You don't live here. I've I've lived. The, let me how tell many, you something. How many I've lived Augusts there. have you spent in Washington D.C.? I've spent a couple. I've spent a couple. Not not full uh-huh. August, but I've been there in August. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, me being on the in, in the Midwest and um, laid over in Atlanta yesterday for eight hours fuck humidity dude <laughs> fuck humidity. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's a huge reminder of as to why i moved out west and why, why i will not move back to the humidity is good for naturally dewy skin rico meat i i just i like crumble up and die out there west it's like my skin just starts peeling off my body it hates it i can't I don't, exfoliate I, properly i need a wet heat i need a wet heat all the time <laughs> So that's why I'm 40 years old. I look like I'm, you know, spry 23. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's the moisture. It's, it's Being mummified out there without any moisture. Mm-hmm. Generation melanin over here. Just stay moist. You know oh, boy. So much moisture. Uh, oh, we're going to go to a commercial because there's so much moisture in the air going on. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated.
Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. It helps, it helps with our algorithm as well as make sure that you hit subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And, of course, make sure you tell your friends all about us and share this episode with all of them because we do believe that organic growth is the best growth. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. This fellow, no dad's a former Northern California cop, and he's now a security consultant at CC Security Solutions, who decides cherries and berries were no longer the proper solution for the Sunday scaries. Here to improve your chances of survival, Chris Eggers. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, hopefully you can hear me. I can hear most of you most of the time. Uh, it works all the time, 67% of the time. My article today comes out of Laguna Woods. Uh, the city council approves cannabis dispensary ordinance. The ordinance on business regulation goes to a second reading scheduled for August um, at the council's regular uh, meeting. So <clears throat> Laguna Woods is a small town in Orange County, 16,000 people approximately, is one step closer to possible legal uh, cannabis dispensary opening within its borders. The city council on July 19th approved the first reading of an ordinance on business regulations for cannabis storefront retailers in the city. Voting for the ordinance were mayors, uh, was the mayor and uh, several council members. Uh, two council members voted against it. The ordinance now goes to a second reading, which is going to be scheduled uh, in August. Before the vote, the council noted that cannabis remains illegal under federal law, uh, being classified as a Schedule One controlled substance. Um, and they heard from several community members as well. Um, so let's see, the council also voted on, uh, sorry, the council also noted that cities of Costa Mesa, Santa Ana and Stanton, uh, allow cannabis storefront retailers found this interesting and not really applicable, but the orange County Sheriff's department remains opposed to such businesses. I don't think that they should have an opinion here, uh, but also brought up, um, was a 10% tax that the city would impose on cannabis sales on top of a 15% state excise tax. The city's tax would be set to do uh, set due to potentially increase law enforcement costs, the city council said. So that's where the tax dollars are going. Pay attention, as Rico Lemit always says, follow the money. Um, village residents opposed to a cannabis dispensary in the city expressed concerns about the potential for increased traffic, security issues, and general disturbances to the peace of, uh, of the retirement community. Um, let's see. Who was quoted here? Uh, Pat McCone said in an email after the meeting, quote, I voiced my concerns for the safety of our residents with what I see will cause increased traffic and unknown entities coming into our village retirement uh, from all parts of the country, as well as concern for our villagers driving under the influence, which is uh, always something that I find interesting that comes up when municipalities are uh, deciding whether to allow commercial cannabis business or not. So will this city, Laguna Woods, 16,500 people uh, get dispensaries? We will find out later th uh, in August. I was almost say this month, but technically next month we'll find out in August uh, how they vote. 
curious to see what you guys have to think. Thanks for allowing me to contribute on this Monday morning. Hope everyone had a great weekend and has a wonderful and very productive week. Um, do y'all think this is going to just gonna be pre uh, preliminary to make sure that certain entities do not enter? And then they will lower it later on when the, the proper people who can actually afford and also i just um i'm wondering if they realize they forgot the tax on the tax on the tax they forgot to add that to their they, they carried the one a couple times mandy i think right <laughs> oh, did they um interesting i always really my ears perk up when i hear municipalities talking about Adding additional taxation to support law enforcement. Right. Why? Follow the money. I can't remember, I can't remember if it was in 2019 or 2020. Really screws up my brain in the timeline. But um, City of Sacramento actually ran a study an entire year um, to research what the economic impact was of cannabis businesses on law enforcement resources. City of Sacramento has, I want to say over a million people in it or something. It's a lot. It's a big, it's a big city. Maybe it, maybe it's not quite a million, but it's a lot. And um, all of the local cannabis businesses, the dispensaries especially, were supposed to pay 1% tax on top of all of their other, on top of all their revenue, which was supposed to go towards law enforcement. City of Sacramento actually ran the impact study and found that cannabis business operations increased none law enforcement's budgets. It caused no impact whatsoever. And therefore, that 1% tax in the city of Sacramento was out the door. So um, I really in employ anybody who is advocating for resources for cannabis in this area to access that study is public information. Use it. Well, Mandy, I don't think this really has anything to do with actually giving money to law enforcement. It's all maybe about it does, maybe it doesn't, but the fact is is that that the argument needs to I hear you. My my point is that I think this is a PR. This is messaging to the conservative folks to show that this is how we're allowing cannabis to come in is if we are going to then provide for law enforcement. Yes, they may throw them a couple bucks here or there. Um, but I think this is just a way to uh, get the more conservative folks on their side uh, by suggesting that it's going to go to law enforcement. Yeah, I th feel like it's like almost low-hanging fruit in a soundbite that they just say, oh, we're going to give this tax dollar to, to cops. Like, why and how are they going to use it? I mean, I, I... It's supposed to be like the feel-good. It's supposed to be what makes the naysayers say, okay. Chris, right. Chris, this I think was a, this was a three to two of, of money. I think that that tax dollar should go back to the operators and and be used in a way that further benefits them, keeps them in business. Um, you know, help with compliance, sustainability. I think going to law enforcement is an absolute waste of that money. Chris, this was a three to two vote. I think it was a three to two vote. Yes. Yeah, I'm willing to bet that 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 law enforcement funding was a concession to get to get that third vote in order to to push this over the over the hill, literally. Mm. Maybe that's what that's what I would put my money on if I was a gambling man. Well, but, we know you don't pay your bets, so I don't know. I pay all my bets, Gretchen. Yeah. You've gotten all your money in the mail. You've gotten all your money, all those little crispy Bullshit. little ones. Bullshit. Yeah.
All the bets that you've actually won, you've I been paid for. I would love to see everyone on this panel and on YouTube. Raise your hand if you think Jason Bate, or what's your name? Jason Beck has paid me. Jason Bates. All, <laughs> all of my bets. Uh -huh. I see no hands. I, I, I no already hands. raised mine. I'm the only one that matters. Yeah, you welching son of a bitch. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's pretty harsh, right. Gretchen. Pretty harsh for a Monday. Dude. I'm coming in fiery hot. Coming Until in you fiery. start paying me my money. Coming in fiery, fiery of, hot. Of a pissed off redhead. Look out. Jason sold his green screens on Craigslist this weekend to pay you, Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to go and had to go and wash all the fabric. <laughs> this weekend, you had, you, had the DNA out of, you had to give the DNA out of sheets to protect your. Uh, your I yeah. <laughs> protect I you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just surprised that the law enforcement is so worried about senior trappers that there's going to be so much enforcement going on with all these senior trappers going on out there in Laguna Woods. I, I thought it was interesting that I don't know did, did they invite Orange County Sheriff's Office who just said like we don't like commercial cannabis like what what. That was like a one-liner in the article with not much other information provided, but I thought that was kind of whack. Yeah. Where is this area? Laguna Woods, Laguna Orange Woods County. Is, uh, is in senior. Orange County. It's a town inland. It's a senior, senior, senior community, Gretchen. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's, it's yeah, a golf course, a country club golf courses do not pay taxes in California, and um, maybe this is a win for them, and maybe they're going to corner the market. Mm -hmm. They just may. You never know. Stranger things have happened. You know, the se senior citizens are the largest, uh, largest growing body of segment of the cannabis consumer base. So I think they're going to be in for a win. And they're the reason none of us, uh, none of the rest of us are going to have social security either, right? Oh, no, that's because of, because of a few other things, not just them. You can't just blame it on the old people, Rico. That's not polite. No, I, don't, I don't, man. I am, I'm not an ageist. I love my, I love my senior citizens and, um, I think you need to shut up with that language, Jason. <laughs> I bet you're the one that's saying that you're the one that's spewing it. Oh, uh, we don't have any more commercials, right? Adam? No, nope, no more commercials today. Oh, so coming up next, that's right. She's a mom. She's a Emerald cup edibles judge as well as a cannabis executive who wants to show the world how being a cannabis executive, a mom and an edibles cup judge. All go hand in hand. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is none other than the Mandy Tingler. Mandy, he just introduced you since you can't hear him. Start talking. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Today, my article comes from the Sacramento Bee. The headline reads, California Cannabis Competition Sees fewer entries, could this be a signal of a collapsing industry? Mendocino Family Farms was on the verge of bankruptcy when an unexpected win at the 2022 California State Cannabis Competition sold out their entire strain, saving their farm. Phil Cruz, the farm's owner, said the state-sanctioned competition was a game changer for his marketing in the cannabis industry. Arms like mine, we don't have the money to promote, Cruz said. It's almost impossible. A steady decline in cannabis tax revenues over the past two years, even after state lawmakers lifted the cultivation tax in 2022, reflects a flagging, a flagging industry for licensed cultivators. 
Only 39% of California cities and counties allow sale of retail cannabis within their jurisdiction, limiting the number of available licensed retailers to buy from cultivators in an oversaturated market. There's not enough room to get those relationships with dispensaries, Cruz said. To promote the legal weed market and normalize the cannabis industry, the State Fair worked with the Departments of Cannabis Control to host its first ever cannabis exhibit and state cannabis competition last year. James Letts, the organizer of the California State Cannabis Exhibit, said this was a big deal for the state for the cannabis industry. The industry continues to go through a tough time and there's lots of farms that are extinct. State Fair gave us this amazing opportunity for cannabis to have a platform, he said. To have a competition alongside wine, cheese, olive oil, and craft beer. You know, it's like a crown jewel competition. Department of Cannabis Control, a two-year-old government organization that regulates cannabis, joined the booths of cultivators this year at the exhibit. David Hafner, a DCC spokesperson, said it's crucial for consumers to understand the importance of supporting the legal market. Having something like this at the California State Fair helps remove the stigma of cannabis, he said. DCC Law Enforcement Division seized over $52 million worth of illegal cannabis at the start of 2023, a 39% increase from the previous quarter in 2022. Law enforcement also collected more than $95,000 in cash from illegal sellers, an 87% rise in cash from the illegal market illegal cannabis profits in the previous quarter. The illegal market is still sizable in California, Hafner said. A large part of the state doesn't have access to legal cannabis. Illegal cannabis is dangerous for the public health due to being unregulated, Hafner said, and the DCC has recovered strains containing glass, illegal pesticides, and hairspray. Large quantities of illegal grown cannabis over oversaturates the California weed market, says Bill Jones, deputy director of the DCC Law Enforcement Division. Selling their product at a lower price might even entice cannabis users. Legal operators are having to compete with criminal organizations, he said. There was an 18% decline in entries to the California State Cannabis Competition this year, let's said, with 250 submissions compared to last year's 307. Mike Hardin, the CEO of Sonoma Hills Farm, which won two silver medals in the sun-grown category this year, said some of the tax relief for cultivators, while appreciated, came too late. We've seen many people definitely not make it, he said. We are, we are seeing a danger, a threat to the California cannabis industry. Mendocino Family Farms, which falls across 200, 200 acres, is run by Cruz and his wife with the help of their two college-age daughters. Unable to afford employees, the work of cultivation, packing, and marketing is their, as their product falls off the farm or excuse me, as their product fails on the farm, as the product falls on the farm with his owner and partner, is almost impossible. We struggle all the time. Rate of renewed cultivator licenses since July of 21 went down by 25%, according to the data provided by the DCC. However, intervening factors of varying license renewal periods, limited data, and the introduction of larger licenses have impacted these numbers. Effective at the state this year, DCC licenses with multiple cultivation licenses could convert them to a medium or large size cultivation license, decreasing the overall number of cultivation licenses despite the fact that a canopy size and business operations are likely to stay the same. 
Cruz said it was a head-shaking moment when the can when his cannabis was recognized by the state as an award-winning strain after decades of hiding this plant from authorities. Same people from the state were the people who put me in jail for this, this cannabis plant, and now I've got a gold medal. Nearly everyone he knew in the 80s went to jail, Cruz said. He spent the last 40 years hiding his cannabis farm from authorities. When recreational cannabis was legalized in 2016, he had to start from scratch building a brand called Mendocino Farms. The goal of opening a cannabis exhibit at the state fair was to normalize the cannabis industry and promote the importance of buying legal weed. Inside the cannabis exhibit is a where do you buy your weed display wall, which features dozens of sticky notes displaying the names of local dispensaries, an idea by the DCC to normalize talks about purchasing legal weed. Now, you guys, I don't know if the rest of you were able to attend the California State Fair cannabis exhibit, but I sure did. And that wall was big. Those medal awards were plenty and it was very, very well done. Um, but... I do have to say, I noticed that decrease in participation as well. So I would love to hear what you have to say about the state fair, the medals that are being handed out, and also, do you think that these cannabis competitions are going to positively impact these farms or not? This is Mandy or Carmen Sacramento for Hyatt 9 News. Mandy, how much do they charge to enter this for per entry? That's what I was going to ask. How many? How many? How, how much, much do they, they charge, charge to enter? Entries, Mandy. Oh, I'm not really sure. The average cannabis competition is usually somewhere between three and five hundred dollars per submission. I don't know what the state fairs rates were, though. You said one twenty-five per submission. Is that what I just heard? No, she said on average it's around three to five hundred per submission. Curse, uh, Christ, Jason, don't ask questions. She can't hear you. That is insane. That's that's probably the reason why they're having such a low turnout is because they're charging an arm it's and a leg. for a cannabis competition. I Single sample, $465. Single sample, $465. Yeah, that's why they're having such a low turnout because no one has the money to pay for that because the reality is no one cares about that award that much. Does, does it equate, does it equate yeah, to Yeah, but if, it, if you can sell out your whole... A stock there. You're I mean, they're not. These guys a, did. A, 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 it might be worth it to them. Ain't none of these nope. people selling I think out their at whole the end stock. End of the day, what's really important to keep in mind, and this is coming from someone who's actually putting on a cannabis competition right now, it's really important if you're going to charge these to play and participate that there is something meaty on the other side of that. There has to be something that right. you can sink your teeth into. You know, I've been talking a lot about the Women's Canna Awards and. For me, it's very important that whoever ends up winning each one of the categories with our award show that they walk away with more than a trophy and an Instagram photo. So I'm not going to give away all the secrets of what we got up our sleeve, but let's just say the first place winners at the Women's Canna Awards will be very happy. <laughs> oh, some first place ladies. Plug that, plug that. Plug yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think that's way too much for them to charge for for entry fee. Personally, I think that's just way 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 too high. I think if they should, I think fifty bucks or a hundred bucks would make sense. And this this should this should also be subsidized by the state, or maybe the state should offer free entry to contestants to participate in their fair to bring to bring more people to the table. It's not just the uh, um, uh, the entry fee either. It's, it's it's spending time away from your business. It's preparation to going out there. 
uh, sacrificing uh, key people on your team to go out there. If it's not worth that investment, like now is the absolute worst time to be involved in that kind of shit, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're running a competition, it's not just the entry fee. It's also the cost of the goods that you're submitting, right? I don't know how many entries you had to submit to be in the state fair competition, but I do know like for Emerald Cup, I believe it's, I want to say it's like 40 or 50 units of your product. And if you imagine that if you're a flower company and every single one of those is an eighth, right? So you're sending off an eighth of flower times, you know, 50, 60 units, however many it is, that really adds up. Um, The other thing too, is that when you're talking about cost, I mean, there has to be some kind of cost associated with this because the actual production of putting on this competition requires man hours, requires a lot of time and energy, and you have to compensate people to do that. So it's, it's as much as people probably look at a competition and think it looks so easy to slap together, it certainly isn't. And it definitely isn't free. Well, and aren't there other costs also associated with these things, like testing of the product and those sort of things? Yeah, um, I just realized that manufacturer I'm, I'm, or farmer is responsible for providing the test results uh, <clears throat> upon submission for ours. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't believe any of that, though. They, yeah, the they, state they would have already said I misread it. It's actually 250 per sample plus test results 465 for testing. Hold on, hold on a second. I'm sorry, what? So hold on. 250 for- per sample entered. Okay. Plus $465 for testing. Hold on. So, so, so basically, you're over you've already, you, you've already, you're, you're already entering in compliant product, right? That it already has been tested. So you're having to pay for an extra test on stuff that you've already had tested. Is that what you're telling me, Matthew Saint Germain? We have to get a specific official state fair test through SC Labs for. Well, that's no a racket. Jason Beck, but if, no. if all the labs weren't so damn corrupt, maybe they wouldn't need to offer. That, that. There's, there's only that's one not lab. Accurate. The lab testing. So. For example, Emerald Cup does testing and flower judging based on dominant terpene profile, right, Jay? And so they do require testing for that, but they're not submitting every single entry for terpene testing. They're not taking edibles or tinctures or topicals or something like that and throwing them in for terpene testing results. Um, Also, I don't believe Emerald Cup charges anything for testing. I think SC Labs donates. They do. They do. That is true. But but with this state with this state situation, that's not the case because SC Labs is making a killing if they're getting that. Uh, how much was that fee you said, Matthew St. Germain? 465. 465. Okay. Per entry. I mean, that's that's just that's just basically the cost of a of a of a, of a new final panel, basically, final panel test. Um, but before you before you submit uh, to have your stuff being able to be able to sell. I just want to say that one typical C. I just want to say that one typical COA costs usually between five hundred and six hundred dollars, and that is for an entire batch of product. It's not just that's what I'm saying. Jars pack that you took off to the la- or to the the competition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's a big old, not big old exactly. racket. Exactly. I mean, come on. Like it's a big old said, racket. There's other shit involved. There's man hours. There's all sorts of things that go into running these types of events. So. I, I agree with you, Gretchen, but my I, point is... me for everyone in this industry is, who thinks everything should be fucking free. No, no, no. But my, 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 my point is, is that they've yeah. already paid to have this product tested. They've already done that. And also... Um, I get it, Jason, but... Uh, Different labs have different standards. People, it's all the same we, oh, we lab. Talk about, it's only one lab. Up. It's only Will one you lab. Listen to me, Jason Beck. I'm talking about when you're, they're submitting 
their own results. They're going to be coming in from multiple labs. That's what I'm saying, Jason. And all we talk about every other day is how the labs are baking the numbers. I mean, so what the fuck? Why do you think it's insane for a, for a contest that wants to say they're reputable, run by the state to require additional testing? It's insane. Straight up. It's insane. Straight okay, up. Okay, and so is your support of a Frito-colored jagoff who's going to be sitting in jail. <laughs> yeah, right. But you don't yeah. seem to listen to that. We're, we're Jason, look at the walls around you, bro. It's, it's crumbling. Just, all of these labs have already been certified by the state. They've already been licensed. Whether or not they're documenting the truth is irrelevant. Is that they have a stamp and a seal and that their word should stand for a competition. And also, um, I think the supplemental testing, again, is based upon terpene. We're not looking like what we're seeing with labs who are providing, you know, exaggerative results is mostly on a T on a THC level. It's not so much on anything else. And that the THC level is irrelevant in competitions. It's not a factor. It has to do with the quality of the flower, the terpene profile, its effectiveness, um, look, taste, all of those things. But terp or can uh, cannabinoid profile is not a part of a scoring rubric. Yes, indeed. Let's just keep it moving here because we are low on time and I want to make sure our last speaker has time to get it off. This immortal okay. cannabis wizard with a Stanford PhD in tripping balls, co-hosts the only podcast legally cleared in the lower 48 to let the masses know exactly what's good. Here to take us on another educational trip to end today's show and close out July, Matthew St. Germain. It's Brother Rico. Happy Monday, everybody. It's been a bumpy one, but let's land this plane nice and smooth now. So uh, this is from Bloomberg News, and it's an article about psychedelic companies could look different by the end of this biotech route. Investors in the psychedelic industry have long said its companies are like biotech stocks, but with an edge. Here's how the thinking went. Due to decades of underground use of LSD, magic mushrooms, MDMA, and other substances, there was a body of anecdotal evidence that spoke to the safety and efficacy, or at least appeal, of such drugs. But... As psychedelic stocks slump and the industry braces for a shakeout and consolidation, it's not clear that they're all that different from classic biotech companies. Clinical trials are expensive, and it turns out that anecdotes about all the tripping on shrooms you did with your friends in your backyard don't exactly hold muster with the U.S. FDA. Companies now need the agency to review their studies on those drugs' ability to treat conditions such as PTSD, depression, and addiction. In fact, psychedelic stocks have an extra hurdle to clear with the regulators since many studies show that the drug's true effectiveness comes in conjunction with therapy. This means that companies may need the FDA to do something it's never done before, approve not just a drug, but a behavioral treatment to go with it. Bubble valuations got squeezed out last year, and now the leading names trade like any other small-cap biotech stocks, said Chris Yetter, founder of Dumont Global, a fund that invests in cannabis and psychedelic stocks. That's problematic because biotech companies overall aren't doing well. Wow. RA Capital estimated in a July 1st report that 25% of all development stage public biotech companies trade below their cash value, while 72% will likely need to finance in the next year. Just like with psychedelics, shakeout is underway as companies fail or consolidate. The report found there were fewer than 40 core biotechs at mid-year than there were uh, 40 fewer, pardon me, than there were last year at the same time. Investment management company, which specializes in healthcare and life science, predicts that 2023 is on track to become one of the biggest years on record for the number of deals carried out, as well as the total value of companies acquired, the transaction premium. So they're talking about all these failed companies merging. As more psychedelic companies fail, it will be interesting to see if the industry diverges from traditional biotechs. 
The cannabis industry, often compared to psychedelics given its trajectory from illegal party drug to pharmaceutical hopeful, has seen an interesting dynamic due to the still thriving underground market. As illicit trade continues in California and other states, struggling companies have sold legal out the back door into the black market. In New York, legal companies are suffering from competition with the illegal mar uh, illicit market. Ketamine has also seen a black market dynamic as well. Uh, if psychedelics fail to win FDA approval and no industry materializes, it's possible the cultural movement continues. Oregon has been training facilitators or those licensed to administer the drugs. Therapists have been taking courses in psychedelic-assisted therapy for treatments that aren't authorized or legal. Even if su such drugs are never proven effective at treating serious mental health ailments, if research shows there's not serious health risks, the interest is bound to continue. Uh, what I would add to all of this is, you know, this just continues to show how out of balance the, our current corporate capitalist approach is. Uh, psychedelic drugs are not about anyone driving Lamborghini or becoming the next Mark Zuckerberg. Neither is cannabis. What these substances are doing is they are about uh, teaching us to commune with each other, that we come from one human family, that nature is our mother and uh, we are its stewards. And, and we can all continue to do these. And hopefully what I, what I hope to see is decriminalization instead of legalization so that therapists can use these uh, substances if they need to, but then so that, uh, you know, us, the, the general public can continue to um, walk with these substances, teachers and fungi in, in order and hopes of, of bettering the planet together. I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say. Go for it guys. Is it just me and Rico? Oh, hey, no, Jason. No, we're here. We're here, Matthew. We are here, buddy. <laughs> oh man. So, I mean, I, I just think ultimately the, this psychedelic industry is destined to fail, similar to the cannabis industry. And ultimately, the psychedelic industry is just going to get taken over big, by big pharma, and we're not going to have the access that we do today. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, I see it as I think psych psychedelics was a smart hedge by a lot of these biotech, a lot of these big firms um, just to move forward, uh, period. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how much quicker this happens than um, uh, than cannabis because it's you know uh, they already have the testing results they've already used a lot of people for as guinea pigs for these over the years and um, is a lot less stigmatized to it in the communities. So um, well yeah if we look at the trap side Rico like we've already seen the the entire arc of the last fifteen years of cannabis happened in the mushroom economy over the last two years where everybody pivoted from cannabis to mushrooms all of a sudden there's a million mushrooms everywhere the whole thing shit the bed. Uh, prices went down to 200 bucks, then prices went up to a thousand bucks. Everybody jumped back in, and we're we're doing that same seesaw up and down right now. And if you look around, everybody's got their own gummy and chocolate brand. And again, I support all this. And what I hope to continue to see uh, in psychedelics is the same thing we're seeing in cannabis: is that small players with realistic goals are continuing, and and and, and a bullseye for quality are continuing to thrive. And people who thought that they were going to create exponential generational wealth and have some uh, exit plan into another world and not having to work are finding that they're failing. Life requires folks work. Get, folks get caught up in all of that noise, right? Yes, sir. And the thing is like life requires work. It, being alive requires work. If you're looking to get to some point where, where you live some abundant wealth and you're w waited on hand and foot by slaves while you never work again, you're out of alignment with the world and what's going on. Get your hands dirty. Do some work. Do it. Do some work, man. That's a good good topic for a Monday, bro. Do some work. Work, 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 work. Gotta I got to actually get off and do some work myself. I guess <laughs> I mean, it's just, we did, we the only ones left in here, Jason. Me, we Jason. are. Yep, we are. We are the lady. The ladies left. Well, I guess we gotta close it out then. I yeah. Guess, huh? Yeah. They abandoned us. The women always abandon us. Yeah. <laughs>
And so... <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all for joining us today for another episode of High at 9 News. It was super spicy today. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments live on the big screen, the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms. Tune in for the conversations that we have every day on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing as much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our respected production team, Cloud media partners house of fuego the vortex and all our sponsors keeping the lights on the av struggles to a mini, uh, minimum uh, we need your help folks uh, you see what's going on <laughs> in out there we're getting some construction going on baby <laughs> all these uh, multiple investigations and indictments jason beck <laughs> but always cannabis sativa l the reason that the high nine news teams reads these headlines every single day thank you it has been monday july 31st 2023 the last day of july the show is over hope you've all been blessed with the top industry headlines and it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow saint germain <laughs> what we got take these people out there. <laughs> Your breath is the programming code of the human biocomputer. Change your breath, change your life. I love you guys. Happy Monday. Love you too, my brother. Does that mean...